Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market for decades, the holy veneer of amateurism surrounding big-time college sports largely stood untouched and unblemished. It was sacrosanct, even as coaches made millions. Then, come July, poof, it was gone. College athletes were free to make money off their names, images, and likenesses. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Before we start, a quick thank you to our sponsor, Pacific Source, for supporting the show. Up next, reporters Aaron Fentress and Jeff Manning talk about the brave new world in Oregon and elsewhere where college athletes are free to get paid by companies big and small. We talked about the change in public perception on this issue, how quickly it accelerated the recent Supreme Court ruling, what it means for big-time athletes and less well-known ones, and much more. Here's our conversation. Jeff Manning, Aaron Fentress, thanks for coming on the show. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. About time for me. You've been holding out, big time in me. What's up? Just kidding. <laughs> so Manning, we're a little more than two weeks into this new world where college athletes can be paid for their name, images, and likenesses. How are things going so far? Uh, just what you'd expect. Massive confusion. Uh, <laughs> it is, uh, you know, you talk to, uh, the athletes and they are just jacked. They love this possibility. It is about time. Um, and, uh, you know, when you think about it, 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 it just seems ridiculous now. Um, you know, Mark Emmert six years ago was sitting in court and saying traditions and keeping them are very important to universities. These individuals are not professionals. They are representing their universities People come to watch because it's college sport with college athletes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Why not let them make a little dough? You know, I mean, you let the other college students go and work for a, a fast food joint. I mean, really, what is the difference? Well, anyway, it is mass confusion right now. College administrators are realizing that uh, the NCAA is a, is abandoning them. They are leaving it to them to, to handle compliance <laughs> with the new rules. They don't know what the new rules are, and uh, so it is. Uh, it's a really interesting situation right now. Before we get into some of the athletes that that you two have talked to, um, you know, people might be forgiven and Jeff and, and thinking this kind of came out of the blue. I mean, obviously, this issue has been discussed for decades in ter- in the culture in terms of compensating college athletes, but all of a sudden, poof, here we are. Um, h- how did this happen? where uh, the NCAA moved forward and said, this is A-OK uh, come July. 
Well, that statement that I read from Emmert a couple minutes ago, that came, that was in the Ed O'Bannon trial. Ed O'Bannon was a, a, a good play, basketball player from UCLA. And uh, he was, uh, the, the story goes that he was sitting in somebody's living room at one point watching some friends play a basketball video game. And there was his likeness. There he was on the video game. No one had asked him, let alone paid him for the rights to use his likeness. And he got pissed and he lawyered up and he sued. And that was one of the really significant early challenges to the amateurism rule. And uh, since then, it's just continued to accumulate new momentum. And there were other Ed O'Bannons out there. And, uh, you know, it's gotten to the point that the Supreme Court voted nine to nothing against the NCAA. And at that point, uh, the uh, Emirates saw the handwriting on the wall and in late June, he said, OK, so much for amateurism. It was stupid. And we we don't we don't think it's right. <laughs> Just we're like that. We're all for the students rights now. And uh, so that's where it is. When Justice Kavanaugh is, uh, you know, coming out guns blazing with the statements that you a few years ago would have seen on on message boards or on Facebook, right? Uh, uh, this is morally indefensible, essentially. Um, that, that was it, right? Not to mention in violation of federal law. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, the, the freedom fighter comes out. And it was it was great. He It was a strongly worded opinion. And uh, it wasn't directly on point to to the whole amateurism rule. And NIL, you know, profiting off your name, image, and likeness, but it was close enough that uh, the NCAA knew that uh, its days, the days of the amateurism standard were definitely numbered. Okay, so Fentress, you've covered college sports for years. Have you noticed a change in perception on, among players, coaches, fans on on this issue of um, of elite athletes being compensated for? something uh, related to their performance on the field or on the court? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things for me in all of this, and, and I played small college football you know, at Portland state and then at Pacific. So I could have generated maybe 10 bucks a week, maybe at, at best. <laughs> so, but um, I, over the years from having played and then covered it when coaches made, you know, 500, 600,000 a year as the head coach and the office of coordinators made 100, 200,000, you know, it, it wasn't as big of a gap between them and the players getting a full ride scholarship. I mean, still, there's a lot of money being made there, but it's, you know, it's not gross as it became more and more disgusting how much players and excuse me, how much coaches were making the gap just became so huge that even coaches I would talk to would be like, yeah, this probably isn't exactly fair or right. Um, there should be something done where kids can be compensated. Just for an example, the office of coordinator at Oregon in um, 19, excuse me, 2004, Andy Ludwig was making 150 grand a year. He was the offensive coordinator. So he's, you know, he goes head coach and then the two coordinators. Today, Oregon has position coaches making six, seven, eight hundred thousand, and the head coach is making four million. Bilotti, I don't think Bilotti ever quite, he might have made a million one year. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't remember, but usually he was in the, you know, the high six figures. So you can, that's an example of, of the gap that's been developed. So if you're able to generate that much revenue and that's, that's just coaches in ADs. Right. What about right. the, the TV 
revenue that's generated for the entire university and the athletic department, um, the money that the TV stations are making, et cetera. Like, it's just, it's just enormous. And to say that all the way down at the bottom of that structure are the players running around on the field playing. And yes, a scholarship is valuable, but nowhere near representative of the value they should be getting. And then on top of that, it's different. It's one thing to say the university should be paying them or, or, or say maybe they can't afford to pay them. It's another thing to say they can't go out and monetize their name, likeness, and image in other avenues as professional athletes do. And that's what's huge to me is that now the kids, it's not even just a matter of the university say, okay, we'll give you an extra you know, $2,000 on your scholarship or something like that. The, the players can go out themselves and drum up their own cash. Now, I do think it's great, but I do think it's also going to lead to some very interesting and tricky problems down the line. Yeah, and let's we'll definitely uh, invariably hit on that in a, in a little bit here. But I'm I'm curious, uh, Aaron. You know, obviously we're in the summer right now, and and athletes are you know they're always working uh, and getting ready for the season. But like, what are the conversations you've had with athletes um, either at U of O or OSU at PSU um, ab- about name, image, and likeness, and um, and their families? Like, can you give us some examples of what what these athletes are doing? Yeah, so I haven't been able to reach Sedona Prince yet. I'm hoping she'll get back to me today, but she she's the she star U of O basketball player. I talked to her coach Kelly Graves, and he's like, she she's going to clean up because she has 2.5 million followers on TikTok. That's just <laughs> mind boggling to me. She only she only has like 40,000 followers on Twitter, and I think 90,000 on Instagram. But her TikTok 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 is just blown up. So imagine how she can go out to a variety of different companies and say, hey, I will do TikToks for your product. And I have 2.5 million followers. And all, all of her posts get, get, you know, some of her posts are getting, you know, seven, eight, 900,000 likes. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, the eyeballs are there. So she's going to be able to go out and just make a ton of money doing that. There's also this website called Cameo, which where a lot of celebrities are using this, where um, I can, let's say it's Jeff Manning's birthday. I can go on Cameo and find out who just Jeff Manning's favorite uh, rock star is. And if that person's on Cameo, I can pay that rock star through Cameo to send Jeff a personalized birthday greeting. So let's say if Jeff loves, he seems like he'd probably be a Bruce Springsteen guy. If Bruce <laughs> Springsteen's on there, I can pay $1,000 to Bruce Springsteen to make a message, where literally a video message, say, hey, Jeff Manning, I love your articles at the Oregonian and you're great, happy birthday. Um, these athletes are going to be doing those big things like that all the way down to you could do advertisements for the local chicken and waffle joint or the local uh, car dealership. Or in the case of PSU, they have two players who have already done a commercial for East Bay um, athletic apparel and one's doing advertising through social media for his friend's clothing company. Like the, the avenues are just almost endless in, ter- in terms of how these kids can make money, especially through the social media factor. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things going on. And then the, the other side of this, just real quick, you know, like Verone McKinley mm-hmm. from Oregon, a safety, he hasn't rushed out and done anything yet. His, he's like, he's with his dad and they're, they're, they're strategizing because they don't want to dive into one thing that might cost them an opportunity with a rival brand. So they're kind of waiting and, and being strategic about it. So there's a lot of different things going in a lot of different directions. So those are the big time athletes. Um, Manning, you had a story uh, in this weekend's paper where you 
talk to folks here in my neck of the woods up on the bluff uh, University of Portland. Can you talk about the athletes you um, focused on and how they're taking advantage of uh, of the name, image, and likeness uh, rules? Sure. Uh, they are, you know, uh, Claire and KJ, uh, volleyball and baseball players, respectively, up on the bluff. Um, they are not big names. They're good athletes and leaders on their teams. Uh, KJ Rufo is from... Milwaukee went to Rex Putnam. He is a catcher and a pitcher. He mm. throws a 94 mile per hour fastball. He, like a lot of young people, are, have developed or tried to develop an internet persona. His is sort of all about baseball. And he noticed about a year ago that this something called uh, Baseball Lifestyle 101 was re- reposting his stuff. So he called him and said, what, what's up with this? Not in a confrontational way. He was sort of flattered that the, whoever this was, was uh, re, uh, reposting his material. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turned out it's a Farmingdale, New York company that sells baseball apparel, hats, jerseys, and those sorts of things. And uh, they just developed a relationship. And when NIL came along, when this opportunity came along, Baseball Lifestyle 101 reached out to KJ Rufo and said, we want you to be one of our guys. And so that's what he's going to do. You know, Baseball Apparel 101 is not Nike. Uh, I don't know how much business they do. I'd never heard of them. But uh, it's the sort of grassroots opportunity that is coming up for these kids. And uh, they're, you know, hungry. They really want to do this. Mm. And Claire um, Forrest, the other athlete you you focused on, uh, she's got to deal with some type of jewelry company, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, like I say, these are grassroots. Some of these are, are com- sort of basically sales positions, marketing positions, and they're taking commissions as opposed to sal- as opposed to an hourly salary. So for her, it's a great opportunity to, you know, look, get a bunch of jewelry and who knows where it's going to lead. Claire has three deals, by the way, um, a nutrition company and uh, a third company that, uh, and I don't know exactly what that third company does, but she is a go-getter. Uh, she's a senior on the team and uh, um, she she's all about establishing herself as a legitimate personality. Erin mentioned uh, Sedona Prince, the, the woman on the, on the U of L basketball team. I will raise you. Aaron with Noah Beck, who is now a role model out at the UP. He was a soccer player on the, for the pilots who like is it's the thing to do, develop the internet persona. He has got 7.7 million followers on Instagram, 26 million on YouTube, and he's become a huge celebrity. I never heard of this dude. He, he's got so much stuff going on now that he quit school and he's like a professional internet personality. Yeah, it's a strange world we live in. And now girls gather outside his hotel room like he's one of the Beatles and they shriek every time he pokes <laughs> his head out the window. That's hilarious. Where could this go wrong, Fentress? Oh, man. So... Yeah, in in my evolution in terms of going from and eh, scholarships are enough to okay, let's just enhance the scholarships to okay, you have to pay these athletes. Even in that process, I was thinking, yeah, but once you 
either pay them or they're able to go out and generate money as college athletes, there's going to be a long list of potential issues. You know, one, if you're the universe, okay. So Valerie clearly the outgoing AD at PSU and Mm -hmm. coach Graves at Oregon talked about how the universities, although they can't dictate what an athlete does per se, or, have oversight or prevent them from doing certain things to a certain extent, there are certain, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Compliance issues, sorry, compliance Mm -hmm. issues that they still have to try and monitor, right? Like you don't necessarily want an athlete to go out and start representing a marijuana dispensary, right? (laughs) Or, or, you know, if they're 19, they can't go out and start doing beer commercials uh, or you don't want them to at least. Um, so, there, so there's going to be some interesting things. And then who are they getting involved with? Like, do they have, if they have an agent, does the agent understand all the compliance issues? Um, so there's, you know, there's some potential pitfalls there because you could just see kids just running amok. Like, hey, this guy's going to give me a thousand dollars to do what? And you start doing advertising for them on your Instagram. And then, oh, that guy you're doing advertising for who has a business also has a criminal record a mile long. And so now you're associated with that person who's a criminal you know, maybe he's rehabilitated. I don't know, but now the university is associated with the athlete who's associated with the right. Like, there's just different pitfalls in that area. Plus, and everyone's talking about this, so I'll just address this. What happens when an Oregon player at basically Nike U signs a deal with Adidas? Yeah, um, that's a conflict. But the university can't prevent the athlete from signing with Adidas, but they don't have to allow that athlete to wear the Adidas brand while performing as an Oregon athlete on the flip side too, that <laughs> person. So who, now you got, sorry to interrupt. Now you got MJ standing up on the podium, right? Covering the, the Reebok. Yeah. Going back to, exactly, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. And then also when that athlete, that Oregon athlete goes to do his advertisements for Adidas or anything at all, he can't wear Oregon, the Oregon brand. Yeah. Right. So so you're being separated in that respect from the university. Now, here's one thing I also want to throw out on this. The only sports that really generate revenue, meaningful revenue, are football, men's basketball and some women's basketball programs. And there's some baseball programs that probably do, but primarily football. Tennis, no one's showing up to watch tennis. No one's showing up to watch golf. No one's sh- you know, barely showing up to watch volleyball at most programs. Right. Or, or, or even softball. So those sports are pretty much surviving based on the revenue generated by the major sports. So if I'm a university at some point, if I have a tennis player who has a massive social media following because she's a great tennis player at my program and she's making $150,000, which is more than her scholarship. Why am I still giving her a scholarship? Maybe she should have to pay her own way through school because she is not generating enough money for us to support her scholarship. We're in the red giving Mm -hmm. her a scholarship. And in some cases, because of Title IX, some women's sports exist because of Title IX, but don't generate revenue. So it's like, okay, I'm giving scholarships to these 10 people. And we can just say 10 men, men's and women's tennis. I'm giving scholarships to these 20 athletes today. And it's all in the red. Travel, scholarships, meals, blah, it's all in the red. But some of them are going out and making $150,000 because in the tennis world, they're able to generate social media presence and make money but they're only making money because they play for my university. Yeah. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. 
Jeff, you reported on, uh, you know, we talked about the some of the, the sponsorship agreements and with the schools and kind of the sneaker wars going after specific athletes. I mean, this has had le- significant legal repercussions for people who uh, work in the apparel industry and for some coaches who, who lost their jobs. Does name image and likeness render all of that moot at this point? Um, you know, that's a great question. I think that, uh, however that would shake out legally, I'm not a lawyer, but, uh, the unluckiest people maybe in the sneaker world are Jim Gatto and Merle Code. Those are the consultant and the, uh, executive with Adidas that, uh, were found guilty of, uh, defrauding universities for the, for the way they secreted sneaker company cash to a few favored recruits to Adidas affiliated schools. They arguably could have done everything they did in that case over the table in the light of day under the Mm -hmm. new rules. Uh, And now they're looking at jail time instead. They've appealed the, their conviction and that appeal is pending, but yeah, you know, that uh, faint stench of corruption that is uh, hovered around some of these uh, basketball deals that, could just go away. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's gone. <laughs> well, it's not completely gone Aaron, because don't forget that these uh, big sneaker companies are not just recruiting college kids. They're recruiting high school kids. And that remains a problem. Yeah. That level. Uh, yeah. That level is still a problem. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but in college it's, I mean, all bets are off and, you know, I've always just sort of laughed at the outcry about, athletes being paid under the table. I mean, anyone who follows college football knows about the famous Eric Dickerson stories with SMU where literally like a a bag of money was delivered in a Trans Am, you know? And it's like, sometimes people vilify the athlete. Like Cam Newton just got killed for allegedly getting $180,000, right? Mm -hmm. Cam Newton generated probably $25 million for for Auburn that year he won the Heisman and won the national championship for them. So if he got 180 grand, he got underpaid. Whether it was legal or not, he was underpaid. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous yeah. that we used to build, you know, the, uh, Reggie Bush, give Reggie Bush back his Heisman. So what if a booster got his parents a house? How much yeah. money did Reggie Bush make for USC or the NCAA or CBS for airing games or ESPN? Give that man back his Heisman. So some of that stuff from the past just looks even more like a joke because Reggie Bush... Think about how much money Reggie Bush could have made with his name, image, and likeness while at USC. That guy could have gone out in LA and easily, easily made seven figures. Hmm. Easily. So that's that, that era of, of cheating these kids out of the opportunity to monetize their name, name, image, and likeness are over, and that's good. All right, let's take a, a quick break and come back and wrap up with uh, Aaron Fentress and Jeff Manning. Ventress, let's play it forward with the the Oregon situation a little bit, or play it back and play it forward, I guess. I mean, LaMichael James went to Twitter and said, I wonder how much I would have made when I was, <laughs> yeah. when I was in Eugene. I mean, he was obviously a fantastic player, won many awards, didn't win the Eisman, didn't win the national championship, but did everything else. You think you were talking six figures? Uh, you know, obviously we're speculating, but if you were there then, do you think uh, six figures would be on the table? Six figures, absolutely. Like, absolutely. That, that guy could have gone out. 
I mean, people love LaMichael so much. Like they treated him like he was either their son or their nephew or their grandson or their brother or, you know, the love for him was just immense. Yes, he could have gone out and just done pretty much anything he wanted. I mean, think of the think of the boosters out there who love the sport so much that they donate tons of money to the program, right? Mm-hmm. Those same people would love to be associated more directly with an individual athlete as they are being, you know, associated with the university by being a donor that, yeah, if I own a successful construction company, right. And I can say, Hey, LaMichael, come on out and uh, do some commercials for me, promoting my line of custom homes. I'll give you $75,000. And now you get to hang out with LaMichael while you're, you're doing the commercials. Like, yes, he would have, he would have made, he would have cleaned up. Joy Harrington would have cleaned up my God, Mariota, Mariota was making more money than, than Helfrich was making. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's mind-boggling how much money these kids could have generated. So let's stick in the present, I guess. I mean, there is a, a superstar athlete in Eugene now on the football field, Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, kind of to, to put the, the weird <laughs> times that we're in, um, I can't even describe this, and I'm a millennial, but um, which one <laughs> of you can describe <laughs> what exactly Kayvon Thibodeau is? his first deal. Come on, man. You, you call yourself a millennial and you don't know what a non-fungible token artwork is. You know, I've got, I've got, knew that. I've got 30 of them on my, on my phone. No, I've got two kids <laughs> in daycare, Manning. I can't afford an NFT. This, not only is it something that we don't know what it is, you, you, we pay for it with a currency we've never heard of. And if we're not cool enough to know that currency, we have no business buying this piece of art. So <laughs> Great. And that's gonna that's gonna be a big seller. It's bizarre. Basically, it's a piece of art attached to kind of like cryptocurrency, and apparently you can number them, and they're unique, even though they're online. They're an online image. I mean, it's funny to me because like I can just see the image and just screenshot it, and now I have the image. But that's not the same as owning. Uh, basically, I, I mean, I, I might not be absolutely hundred percent correct on this, but basically, you're <laughs> owning a, a crypto piece of it, just like when you buy a Bitcoin, you own a piece of the Bitcoin that you can't actually touch or hold, but it's supposed to be uh, uh, limited to a certain number, and you truly own a piece of that. Like it's just, it's all crazy to me. But yeah, he's he's making six figures off of that. <laughs> Good for him. Is he? <laughs> Isn't it a six-figure deal, or is that different? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I, I guess I'm not surprised. People who are who aren't aware, I mean, this is a former, you know, top recruit out of high school who is, you know, going to be a top pick in the NFL whenever he he goes out. What it's whether he's a top ten pick or not. Yeah, he has a six-figure deal with Nike, and then he has the NFT. I'm not sure how much the NFT is generating or how they're connected. To be honest with you, okay. There, there is another U, U of O uh, situation that's brewing right now that is being closely watched. It's uh, having to do with two distance runners. One of them, Cole Hawker, who's about who's probably in Tokyo now, getting ready for the Olympics. Cole Hawker won the 1500 in the Olympic trials. He's a U of O underclassman. Cooper Tier is his teammate, uh, set, set a new national record for the indoor mile earlier in the year, did not make the Olympic team. He's a senior, but he's got eligibility left. Uh, the sneaker companies all are competing against one another to sign these guys. And in the past, Hawker obviously would not have been able to because he's an underclassman. But now he can, but apparently he is not going to. He just wants to be a college student and everybody is like, 
well, you're leaving six figures on the table. Um, meanwhile, Cooper Tier, we're told, is also fielding some big offers. But we are told, we have no idea if this is true, that he's also got an offer to stay at U of O. That's how con convoluted this is getting, that some athletes may be getting contracts or getting agreements if they remain in place in college as <laughs> opposed to graduate and move on. Well, you know, I mean, they are student athletes, right? Maybe they're just focused on their education first and foremost. Here's, here's another thing I want to throw out real quick is that I've covered UO for many years. And so I've got gotten to know a lot of parents over the years. And there's a lot of parents of these players who can't afford to fly to Eugene, which isn't necessarily yeah. easy to get to from some parts of the country. They can't afford to come watch their kids play. It's, it's a financial burden to fly from Texas or even Southern California or Florida or Pennsylvania or wherever these kids are from to get to Eugene, get a hotel room, stay for the weekend and fly home. Like a lot of people don't have three grand or $2,500 to get a family of three out to see their kid play. Meanwhile, the kids out there playing for a scholarship, which is great. They're all happy for that, but they're helping generate millions of dollars of revenue. Like it's just not fair. So now you know, a kid can go out and make money and then help bring his parents out to watch him play. It was always sad to me when I would hear these stories. Like I did a story on these duck moms a couple of years ago. They were called the mother duckers. And <laughs> their goal was always try and create a connection between the kids and their parents who couldn't make it. So they would find a, a kid and, and, and love him up and say hello and then take a selfie with him and then send the selfie to the mom so the mom can just back home so the mom could just feel like someone checked in on my boy right the mom should be at the damn game but she can't afford to but oh her son's making millions of dollars for the university like it's just it's gross and how horrible like to me and back to what i was saying earlier about enhancing scholarships before I, I jumped straight to paying players that should have been an enhancement of scholarships we'll sign you to your kid to a scholarship and guarantee your travel to all of his home games like you could have done things like that at any point in the last 50 years but the NCAA and universities were just so greedy and not thinking about the kids beyond the scholarship that no one ever considered that. But now the kids can do it themselves. Yeah, as the March Madness contracts uh, approach the you know multiple multiple billions uh, yes. for TV rights, I think that was really an awakening for a lot of people um, that yeah. this is a, a broken system. Absolutely, the numbers are just mind-boggling. Uh, the NCAA was bringing in more than a billion dollars a year in revenue. Uh, and another mind-boggling number, that number collapsed in the, during the pandemic from uh, uh, more than a billion to about f just over 500 million. I mean, it just nosedived. So colleges across the country are reeling from that decline it just blew huge holes in their budget. And uh, the fear is that uh, this new NIL rule will convince colleges to start signing individual college athletes as opposed to all school deals just when they need the money the most. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, it stands to reason that the all school deal might be of less value if there is a threat that the star athletes from that same school could sign with another company. Okay. I don't know this for a fact. I'm just, my take on this based on just, you know, things I've learned over the years is that the schools could combat that. Um, because at the end of the day, the school controls the product on the field. You know, like I said, they, they don't have to let the kid wear 
that gear on the field. And that's where the kid's going to be seen the most in terms of convincing other people to buy that product. So like if, if I, if I, if I, if I'm Adidas and I sign a kid from Oregon, but every weekend that kid plays in Nike gear, how is that, how am I being helpful? Like all the action shots of him or him in Nike gear, he's my Adidas athlete. Like, that's just not good. If I'm Adidas, that's not going to work. I want to be able to have people see my athlete wearing my gear when he's playing football as opposed to wearing my gear when he's just standing around, you know what I'm saying? So I, I would, I'm not saying you're wrong, Jeff, or anyone's wrong about this. I just would be surprised that the universities could not find a way to combat that. And I still think there's greater value in having an entire team wearing your, your Nike logo or Adidas logo than having just a, a couple of guys. So I think we're going to see things match up more, more so than anything. Like I think if a kid's going to a Nike school, he's going to get a side Nike deal. That's the best case scenario for everybody. Well, Thank you guys for making as much sense as we can uh, two, <laughs> two weeks or so into this brave new world and, and for taking time to talk about it. I'm sure everything we said will be wrong in a month. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. I shared a link to Aaron and Jeff's stories in the episode notes. If you like this show, leave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the program or tell a friend. Help spread the word. If you value our journalism, the best way to show it is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.